you um, are in for a real treat. Mary Vaughn is preaching today. She's a very practical, helpful word, five-fold ministry prophet regionally and, uh, and internationally. We are so honored to have her part of New Song Congregation, uh, she and Wally, over these years. And uh, there's a, a, the voice of God is so authoritatively clear on this, this word that she's going to release. Let's uh, just receive in our hearts. Let it be fertile soil for the Holy Spirit to operate. Give Mary a warm welcome as she comes and talks to us. Thank you, St. Dan. That was awesome worship. Thank you, team. Okay. I'm assuming everybody here is a Christian. One time before I preached, I think this was at Portland Foursquare, the Lord told me to do an altar call before I even started the message. He said, you know, the worship was really anointed. He said, just do an altar call right now. I said, really? That's not really how they do things. Of course, I knew it was the Lord. So I did it, and two guys just ran to the front to get saved. So if that's you, I d I'm not saying this today, but um, I, 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 I do know this. If you came here today and you're not saved, you will be by the time the message is over. It is. It's true. Today's your day. You're in the right place. Um, I kind of I won't explain where this is coming from. And... The Bible talks about us clearly being one. How many people know we're one if we're in the body of Christ? Some people are a hand, a foot, a tongue, a nose, a head, whatever. We're all part of one another. So anything that I may say, if, it, if it's an ouch or it steps on your foot or whatever, just know that I know that one of the words we're teaching I, I discovered this week is pointing the finger out. And, and just like giving instruction and imparting wisdom. But remember, I all... I always remember that three are pointing back at me, always. So it's something I, you know, live and want to preach. So this word was birthed out of a um, uh, 20, probably 25 years I've been asking the Lord, Lord, what is the problem with people repenting? I just don't get why some people don't ever really change. Does anybody know any Christians that have kind of stayed the same 30 years or 40 years? How, raise your hand if you know somebody that they've said they're a Christian, but really their life doesn't have any real fruit in it. Okay, we all know. Okay, so that's going to change. That's going to change. So if you don't need this message, you know somebody who does. Okay, so I cried out to the Lord, what is it that stops people from repenting, Lord? This makes no sense to me. You're the most loving your, your kindness is unfailing. You say if we confess our sins to you, you're faithful and just to purge us. It's a cathartic release of all the junk. And then what do we get? You? Who would not love to repent? I don't get it. So this is what he told me. People in the earth, whether believing or unbelieving, but typically believers, when they are corrected, if they have not been crucified with Christ, and I mean really, there was a day that you came before the Lord and there was a great exchange that, take, that took place. You gave him your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the sinful, the wretched, the wonderful, the gifting, all of it, you gave it to him. And then you got his in exchange. If, that, if that's never taken place where there's been a complete surrender, that means you surrender to your dreams, your wants, your desires, because God knows better what you need and what you want. Then there is a chance 
that you process through condemnation. So what he showed me was when people respond to true conviction, the Holy Spirit speaking to our heart, we run to the cross. So here's the difference. Conviction from the Spirit of God will always, I'm going to read this so I get it right, I mean, because I wrote this all out, points us to Jesus and Calvary's cross. That's what real conviction does. And the full provision of what the blood of Christ has purchased for each of us who are born again. Notice where our eyes are when it's conviction. On him, the cross. You can't see the cross. On Jesus. True conviction will always point us to Jesus. And, and through repentance, we know we'll have remission and redemption for our sin. That's just a no-brainer when we go to Jesus. It'll give us a clean conscience, leaving us free of sin, shame, and guilt. Responding correctly to conviction will always lead us to repentance. Always. And it'll give us a clarity and a desire for holiness and a consecration unto the Lord and to him alone. Living for the Lord, living holy, living set apart, desiring a life of holiness is, um, and it's not, it's not a feeling. It can be part of having a feeling, but it's a choice. The Bible says this, do this if you're a believer. Die. <laughs> Deny yourself. Take up your cross and get up and follow him. When? At the, the day you accepted him? Yes. Then the next day and the next and the next and every day thereafter. You just keep dying more to yourself and letting him live through you. It's the Galatians 2.20, one of our favorite passages. It says, we've been crucified. I've been crucified with Christ. You've been crucified with Christ. Now it's no longer you that live. You're not living anymore. And the life you now live, you live by what? The faith of the Son of God who died and gave himself for you. His faith in you. His faith moving you. Him, his spirit compelling you to do what? Be just like him in the earth. We are called to this, whom Jesus foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to his likeness. So Jesus, being the firstborn from the dead, would have lots of brothers and sisters. That is the point of Christ's sacrifice. It is not so the cross just gets you a ticket to heaven. That's really one-sided living. And we just say, nobody in here is going to live that way in Jesus' name. It's a mutual abiding. Okay, our feelings, so say we make a choice. I'm, okay, I'm dying to myself. I'm going to follow you. Our feelings follow. They always follow our choice. If we let our feelings govern, how many people know that if they live just by their feelings, they might be a big, in a big hot mess? <laughs> Me included. If I was only directed by my feelings, it would be tragedy all over the place. Us, us too. So how... How do, we, um, how do we get this consecration? To foster a lifestyle of holiness, to be set apart for him alone, is, it's easy. We, when we say yes to the Lord, there needs to be, when we say yes to the Lord, I'm going to say this real slow. David, thank you for saying that last night. About, he said, sometimes you say things and you, uh, and you gloss right by it. It needs to be, give us time to let it sink in. When we say yes to the Lord, there needs to be a simultaneous no to the things of this world. They're simultaneous. We give our heart, our life, our breath, our resources, our gifting. We give him everything. No holding back. 
thing. And then you know what we get? Him. Who doesn't want that? So it says, God won't be mocked. Don't be deceived. Whatsoever man sows, he reaps. If you reap to the flesh, you will reap destruction. But if you reap to the spirit, you'll have eternal life. So those who process through condemnation, this is what the word says. Not me. If you have any problem with anything I'm saying, 99% of this is scripture. Take it up with God. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then let's not leave off the last part of the verse that most people do. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. If you're processing your whole life through condemnation, there is some place you are living in your flesh and not in the spirit. I am sorry to say that. Say amen. Amen. There is some place you have not let the Lord, whether it's an unsanctified imagination, it could just be that you, you carry the shame and the guilt of your former sin. That's still not agreeing with God who washed you white as snow. Whenever you do not agree with what God says about you, about me, about each other, you are in pride. Pride lines right up with condemnation and carnal Christianity, and that's none of us in this room, amen? Okay, true conviction will always turn our hearts and eyes upon him, the only remedy for our sin. And it leaves us, it leaves inside of our spirit, man, inside our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions, a deep assurance of knowing that his blood has cleansed me, made me new. We get a new life when we come to Christ. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 15, we get a new life. Behold, all the old things are passed away. We, the old life. Um, I was saying last night, that I think it's Bill Johnson that quotes this. Most Christians believe and live in resurrection power. But they use that resurrection power to raise the old man. We say, God forbid. We say, God forbid. One of the things the Lord showed me another thing about people that process through condemnation, whenever I'm ministering prophetically to people, I'm always looking in their eyes because the Bible says in Matthew 5, the eye is the lamp of the body. It lights up everything inside of you. So I want to see if what I'm saying is landing in their spirit, where it will bring an eternal transformation or if it's just hitting their soul. And if it goes to their soul, it'll either make them feel beat up, it'll just information, it'll last maybe a couple of days because then they'll be trying. Is that, do you have that meme? Do or die, did I send it that? Okay. The Bible one? Okay. In the Bible, you are not going to find the word try. <gasps> really? Try it. Ha ha. Look for it. Now there's a word try like gold and silver where you refine. I'm not talking about the refiner's fire of that country. I'm talking, he says, where he caught the woman in adultery. And he didn't say to her, oh, you poor thing. You're just looking for love in the wrong place. You've been, you know, I know you've been married five times. I understand. I get it. He didn't even talk about her past. All he did was he forgave her. I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. He didn't say try not to. He didn't say quit going to bars. He just said go and sin no more. That is his his call to us every day. Just don't sin anymore. Amen? Amen. (laughs) So when when people tell me they're going to try, I don't care if it's quit smoking, quit having a potty mouth, quit being mean to their kids. 
I said, please don't bother. I typically just tell people not to bother. Can I tell you why? Because it's not in the Bible. Try will always be rooted in self-strength, self-effort, and striving. God did not create us to live our life from a place of striving. Hebrews 4 says he created us to live our life from heaven to earth in his rest. In his rest. So there's no performance. There's no, ah, oh, this is just so hard. If you ever catch yourself saying it's hard, make your mouth get it and go zip yourself and rebuke yourself. The Bible says his yoke is easy. The enemy will trick you into saying it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. You want to curse yourself? Just keep it up. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says his yoke is easy, his burdens are light. I agree to agree with God no matter what is going on. Literally, all hell can be breaking loose. Nuclear bombs can be going off. And I am telling you, what does God say? When we make that the cry of our heart, what do you say, Lord? What do you say? It looks like this, but what do you say? So, so there's a, a link that the Lord showed me that peace, people that process through pure conviction have learned how to humble themselves. Because they don't make it about their feelings. Well, they hurt my feelings. They don't make it about, well, you don't understand, you know, my dad, my dad. No, they know, and there's no excuse. We don't get to have excuses when we stand before the Lord. You won't get to say, well, if my husband wouldn't have done this, or my wife, or my kids, or I was abused. Those are all, those are tragic things. And the Lord gave me this word. I just now remember, thank you, for somebody here today. There's someone in this room that you so desperately want and need, you feel, someone to validate your pain, what, it's, what, you, what you've gone through, what it's cost you. And I'm telling you, on earth, there's a possibility that no one with human flesh may understand the torment, the sorrow, the sacrifice, the loss, but Jesus does. He does. And it needs to be enough if we want to be made whole. When it, when it said that he, it says, behold, this is a key scripture for those that ever process through condemnation. When I say condemnation, how do you respond when people confront you? If your first tendency is to defend yourself, deflect, well, what about you? Deny, justify, rationalize, excuse, you are processing through condemnation. Blind spots, please, David, the blind spots. So we're in a refining season, a deep season of refining. I'm praying that everybody here gets so set on fire by the spirit of the living God that any dross, any hay, any wood, any stubble gets burned up this side of heaven. So when we stand before him in glory, all that's left are the, the things that were produced from the motive of pure love for him and his people, period. So I, I created this meme this week because I, I just unfortunately have a great keen ability at spotting blind spots in people. And the Lord has a great ability in spotting mine. So even if people have more blind spots than Stevie Wonder, if they point out yours, listen. Wise men love correction. 
If this offends any, if this meme offends anybody, I apologize. Does it offend anybody? Okay. We need to listen because sometimes maybe it, be, or it will be our worst enemy. It'll be somebody we don't even respect. But there's, we could always go to the Lord and say, Lord, is there any truth in what was just spoken? When, when, and I'm going to give you the examples of yielding to condemnation versus conviction. There's very wonderful examples in the Bible, one of them being David, one of them being Saul in the Old Testament, and the New Testament, Peter and Judas. We know that when Saul was confronted, excuse me, by Samuel, he admitted he sinned, but then what does he say? Hopefully I can find it. Well, it doesn't matter. I know what he says. It's up there? Oh, and then Saul replied, I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. People that process through condemnation in the depths of their soul, spirit, mind, body, emotions, there's some place, there's a lacking of, he's my God. He's my Lord. What does Saul say? Come back with me. Honor me. I'm kind of embarrassed by all this big mistake. Yeah, I made a mistake, but do the right thing and come with me and tell everybody, you know. No. He lost the anointing for kingship on his life because he was rebellious. And he did not have a correct relationship or fear of God. Whereas David, when confronted by Nathan the prophet because of his um, adultery with Bathsheba, what, do, what does it say about him? Read Psalm 51. Promise me you'll read Psalm 51 this week. Who will promise? Because I know your word keepers. Read Psalm 51 this week. That'll make you run to repent. If you get Psalm 51 written on your heart, I know your love for me is unfailing. Your kindness towards me, your mercies are new every day. I know, Lord, that if I confess my sin, you're going to cleanse me with his, make me white as snow. Everything in you loves me. All you want to do is just form yourself in me. How could I resist that? How could I resist that? And then the, the key poignant thing about repentance towards the very end, it says, and then David says, and then I will teach transgressors the way, the way that is good and right. Part of reinforcing our deliverance from sin and repentance is we want to help other people get free. We want to walk with them to their hole in whatever area or areas need be. David, when confronted by Nathan about the um, <coughs> adultery and murdering of Uriah, his heart's cry was this. At first it was this. Everybody knows the story. Does everybody know the story? Okay. He said, he, Nathan gives it to him in kind of a parable, and, you know, this rich guy had all these sheep, but then there was this one guy who only had one little precious lamb, and that guy with all the sheep took the one little guy's precious lamb. And David goes, that man should die. Nathan goes, David, that man's you. Now, did David go, well, what the heck? It's not my fault Bathsheba was bathing on the roof naked. She t it's her. Why was she up there? He didn't look to excuse himself. He didn't look to give a thousand, well, I'm allowed to have more than one wife. All he did was, against you and you alone have I sinned, O oh God. My God, against you have I sinned, O oh God. That is the correct course of action when we sin. <coughs> Condemnation is filtered through our pride. Ouch. Condemnation is filtered through our pride because you notice where your eyes are when you're filtering through condemnation? Well, if they wouldn't have done that, well, they, 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 or I wasn't that bad. 
Your eyes are on you. Hello? Are you the remedy for your sin? Say no. Am I the remedy for my sin? No. So how we let God deal with our inner motivations, our attitudes, is like when he shows us something. And may I tell you, more often than not with the Lord, when he told me for like three years to teach me to be humble, teach me to be humble, and he finally said one day, Mary, this isn't working. Could you pray another prayer? Make me humble. It's like, ooh, gosh, that's kind of scary. I don't know about that. But I love make me prayers because David prayed them all the time. Make me to know thy ways. Make me to know thy precepts. Make me, make me, make me. So I said, Lord, I agree. Make me humble. Whoa, I can tell you that was a tough road for a while. But the Lord, we can so humble ourselves in his sight. He does lift you up when you do that, but he opposes you if you're proud. The Bible says he sets his face against the proud. Who wants that? Say no. So one time I was in Denmark. I had been teaching there for about 10 days. It was super miraculous. I had a, I used to go, there was like 1,200 people in the camp. I would go to every single tent, trailer, and minister to every, all 1,200 people there. I don't care if I slept one time, 10 days, I slept an hour a night. And the Lord sustained me. I didn't eat, didn't drink. I would, had so much joy. It just didn't matter. So anyway, I'm see this couple are sitting in their little trailer sitting down. And the minute I walked in, I had a vision of this guy falling out of like a three-story tree. I mean, a really tall tree, and he fell and broke his back. And, and I said, this is what the Lord is showing me. You had a severe accident about 20 years ago, and you have a metal rod in your spine from here down to here. The Lord is dissolving it, and you're going to be fully mobile again. He got up, started praising God, and bent all over the place. He was totally fine. It was one miracle like that after another for the whole 10 days. I mean, miraculous. I had people come demon-possessed. This one man, he said um, a priest had handed him a cross 30 miles away. And he said the cross became magnetized and stuck out like this, and he walked to Albor where we did the Bible camp. It just led him to this camp. He was like this 6'4", big Danish guy. And I met up with him one night in an alley after teaching. And I said, and I asked, how'd you get here? So I started to pray for him. And I put my hand on his shoulder like that. And it not, literally knocked me back. And he says, I know about power already. I said, okay. Well, here I am in the dark alley. <laughs> and this growly voice, he goes, my... My father's a warlock. My mother was a witch, and I was dedicated to Satan in the womb. It's like, well, cool, man. I, I just thought, well, Lord, we're going to get him. <laughs> we're going to get him, Lord. So I said, um, I know you know about power, but you sure don't know about love. By the end of this 10 days, you will. So the next morning I woke up and the Lord says, I want you to go get that young man and take him everywhere you minister for the next 10 days. I'm thinking, oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, Lord, it's you. I'm doing it. The second day, uh, I was teaching in the big gym. There's hundreds and hundreds of people there. He's in the back row. And all of a sudden he gets up and starts manifesting and growling like, ah! just screaming and growling. And I'm thinking, okay, this is good because I'm, I'm teaching on demonic deliverance and warfare. This is so awesome. You're giving me a real life study, Lord. So in the back row, I said, Lord, I, I said to the congregation, I said, if you've not learned anything I've talked about so far today, learn this. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Get off that pew. And by the time I get back there, I hope somebody's going to pray with me. So as I'm praying, I said, Lord, I want your peace to hit him before I even get five feet away. Exactly my quotes. By the time I got five feet, Tommy just got slain in the spirit and was down. 
And when he got up, he said, the Lord, while he was down, he was down for the rest of the whole meeting. He said, have you ever seen the movie The Lawnmower Man? I said, no, I haven't. Has anybody seen it? I've never even heard of it. He said, well, there was something about a book. He said, while you were, while I was out, the Lord took the Bible. Oh, the priest gave him the cross and a Bible. And he had read almost all, of completely the New Testament on his walk there, completely read it. And he said the Lord flipped the pages over his mind as he was laying there, and he almost memorized every scripture. He could say, I'd say something, oh, that's Matthew 6.33. That's Matthew 24.12. I mean, it was, and he needed that kind of instant deliverance because of the wickedness and darkness in his family. Anyway, long story short, he got totally delivered. He's a youth pastor now in southern Denmark. So all I can tell you is, after that, and then the man with the spine thing, I came home, I was on my knees just worshiping God, thanking him for all that he'd done. I had my hand in a little cup thing like this. I said, Lord, thank you that you're doing these miracles. I know it's nothing spectacular or special about me. It's just that I'm willing, and I thank you, Jesus. And, but I knew something was off when I said that. Uh, what? I looked down in my hands, and there was a lump of dark black coal. And the Lord said to me, never forget that your heart without me. Even I gave you your heart to know me. Now, he always knows where we're reading, where we're studying. The next day, I read in Matthew 20, or excuse me, Jeremiah 24, 7. Oh, Israel, Israel, don't you know it is I, the Lord your God, that gave you a heart to know me, that I will be your God, and you will be my people. He does it. That's why nobody's going to stand before him and boast at anything but the cross. He gets all the glory. I can't even breathe without him. You can't breathe without him. It's him. I, I'm glad I'm willing, and I'm glad you're willing. But that's, it, it's nice. It'll be great on Judgment Day, but it's still just all him. And I want everybody in here to agree to agree with God today that you've got a calling and election. Make sure today you know what that is. You've got good works today that God ordained for you in advance. It's very easy to get lazy. I'm not talking about bound up and sin. It's very easy to just think you're, we're doing good enough. Any amens? <laughs> there is a lost, dying, bleeding world. And we are his heart, his hands, his feet. And I just want us to all be a part of what's going to take on what, what God has coming our way. Okay. I have skipped so much. Okay, Saul's response, not good. Uh, Peter's response, so good. Um, Peter was, was told by Jesus that he would, he would deny him. And, and here's Peter. Do you think Peter knew he had any pride? Blind spot. <laughs> he goes, everybody else may fail you. Not me. I'm willing to die with you. Now, if you ever attempted to call God a liar, get on your face quick and repent. Because he knows. Now, shortly thereafter, it says in, in, in Matthew that Peter um, realized after the cock had crowed and he denied him three times that everything Jesus said came to pass. And it says he went out and cried out and wept bitterly before the Lord. And that weeping produced in him the light, a, a true repentance because we see the evidence of that in the next week when he led 3,000 to Pentecost in one sermon. So the Bible says in Matthew, there is fruit that is produced in keeping with repentance. Fruit, 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 fruit. 
And Judas, it says that for Judas, Judas who had betrayed the Lord when he saw that he was condemned repented himself. But it's not the good repent. It's not the kind where he comes inside your inner man and makes you rethink things and get his idea about it, that you think like Christ says. This kind of repentance is the kind that's just regret and worldly sorrow. That kind, the condemnation kind, when you process through condemnation, it will get you nowhere. Well, it'll get you death. That's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians. But, um, so we see that pride is linked with condemnation. Conviction is linked with humility. And pride, as we know, is original sin. Remember Satan and his pomp and pride wanted to be like the God and lifted up the most high? We need to remember this. I'm speaking, remember three, back, three fingers back at myself. Um, our war against pride will be lifelong. Darn it. <laughs> I asked the Lord one time, I said, Lord, since, since Psalm 3.3, the glory and lifter my head, I give you permission just to put a chip in the back of my neck that only makes me look at you and obey always. He did not do it. Because how would that bring him glory if I just make him make me a robot? Anybody ever want that? Okay, so our, our, we'll always be struggling against, not struggling, but there's a war against pride. It's not a battle that's won in a day. As we faithfully put to death our pride and put on humility, we will experience greater freedom and, more importantly, greater conformage, conformity to the image and likeness of Christ. And isn't that what we all want? And in so doing, God will be glorified. Now, we need to ask, I've asked myself, what's my motive, Lord, in life? What, what is my motive? Here's my motive. I'm going to look like Jesus when he comes. I'm going to learn to let his love be produced to me. Does that mean I've had hard struggles? People that have been repaid my kindness evil? Yes. Yeehaw. He knows what we need to have burnt out of us. You need to know today that no matter who is in your life, it is nothing that the grace of God has not already foreseen. Whoever and whatever you're facing, God has given you the grace you need today to overcome. Because that's what his word says. Sorry I shouted. Did I scare anybody? <laughs> I, if you'd be, you'd, I should get a film of me sometime in my house. There's a lot. Sometimes study the shout of God. And I wasn't going to talk about this, but I'm going to. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against princely powers, power places, blah, blah, blah. That word for wrestle in the Greek is the word vibrate. It just means vibrate. vibrate. You know what sound is? Vibration moving through the air. When our sound lines up with heaven, his will is accomplished. I want my words, the meditation of my heart to be pleasing to him always 24-7 just like that Jeremiah 24-7 passage I gave you your heart to know me he's given you a heart to know him or you wouldn't be here did anybody come here kicking and screaming against the I mean they were made to come you can raise your hand anybody make you come today good deal that means you're here because God gave you a heart to know him. Isn't that good news? So if anybody here has processed through condemnation and they want to stop it, they realize now their eyes are on them, their shame, their sin, or somebody else, not a good process. Are you any better off for it? No. Does it produce anything like Jesus? No. The Bible says it produces death. We want godly sorrow that leads to true repentance. 
because then we get to die to whatever that junk is. I always say, my husband always uh, it says in the last uh, verse of John 25, 21, I think it says, if all the miracles Jesus ever accomplished were written down, the world couldn't contain its volumes. I feel like that about my own little life. I've seen so many miracles. But my husband still thinks I should try to make an attempt to write them all down. Oh! <laughs> I always say, if I do that, then I'm wasting time not, not doing other things, like leading people to Christ or whatever. But um, I, I, I pray that you understand that every, everything I'm saying, I believe, is from the heart of God. We are in a refining time. We have to judge ourselves so we won't be judged. If we have been a person or know people that process through condemnation and just stay stuck, unholy, and broken, this is the day. It needs to go away where we just listen to the pure conviction of the Lord and let what he says. Now, I will tell you every time the Lord's ever corrected me, every time, he speaks his word to me. I may not know it's a verse, but I always find it. Like he said, you know, don't even look at your willingness. Your eyes are in the wrong place, Mary. I gave you a heart to know me. Sometimes our eyes are in the wrong place. Does that make sense? We always, there's a reason why in Hebrews it says, fix, 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 fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and completer of your faith. And then Philippians 1, 6, believe him to complete the good work he began. Philippians 2, 13, one of my life promises, for don't you know that it's God working in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure, that's a good promise. It literally means give you the energy to want what he wants, to do what he wants you to do, to live for his desire alone. So if I have something in me that seems the opposite, I say what he says. Lord, you're giving me all I need today to accomplish your will in my life, to live according to your pleasure and your good purpose. Does that mean denying yourself? And sometimes you want to get, I've had times where I want to get even when people are mean or do something wrong, or, but I can't. I can't. I cannot. The Bible says if you want your tongue to be tamed, only the Holy Spirit can do it. Pray in tongues a lot. If you have, if you have a propensity not to use your tongue wisely, pray in tongues. I used to pray in tongues hours a day. I still pray in tongues a lot. He will tame your tongue. Like I've had to have, I've had times where I, I mean, I prophesied to myself, your love won't go cold. You will never repay evil for evil. You're not going to be overcome by evil. You're going to overcome evil with good. I know I've told my Magic Mountain story, but I still have two minutes, so can I do it again? Okay. I was in Magic Mountain. It's been probably 20 years ago. There were, I think, 28,000 people there that day because I called and asked. I um, kept seeing people like somebody was smoking pot. Kids were using even bad words back then. I'm in a party in hell with my friends. T-shirts were saying. I was just, I, was, I got sick, literally, like physically ill. So I told my husband and my kids I was just going to go sit and pray under a tree for a while because all my spirit would cry out was, Mary, do not be, co be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. So I, I, knowing that we're clothed in the full armor of God and my feet were shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and I was wearing the breastplate of righteousness, his helmet of salvation was on my head. I had the sword of spirit. I had the shield of faith. I began to march through Magic Mountain and just pray, Lord, I, I'm thanking you in advance that every person here today is going to find you. They're going to respond to you drawing them because the Bible says nobody can come unless the Spirit of God draws them. And we all know in the Greek that means drag. He's dragging our loved ones. Hallelujah. 
So I just said, thank you, Father. And I just began to just worship him and thank him that he was going to move heaven and earth. Angels and demons, he was going to make sure his will was accomplished in the earth that day. I get back that following Tuesday. I, taught, I was teaching a Bible study at my uh, women's Bible study that morning. And I was telling this little story. And this woman, Elizabeth Philippi, says, oh, my gosh, Mary, my husband was there that day. Now, her husband at that time was an atheist. And they were planning on going there for spring break, but he called her that morning. He says, we are not coming to this place. It is dark. This is an atheist perspective. They left the site to go to lunch, him, the team of engineers and stuff. And when he came back, he calls her back. He goes, I have no idea why I said that. This place is glorious. That is one little person praying with 28,000 people who knows that they, Jesus, when I say they, Jesus in us, the hope of glory, Jesus, the light of the world, Jesus, the one who bled and died for every one of them there. He will move heaven and earth when we set our vibration, our sound to agree with his will. So who's going to do that? <laughs> who's going to do that? Just set yourselves to agree with God. And I've got 9,000 other page, pages of notes. Anyway, um, so I, if anybody will leave their email if they want, I've got a whole really long, pretty detailed list. I believe the Lord gave me about to show whether or not you're a carnal Christian because Paul preached to the carnal Christians. And we just say, that's not going to be any of us. But in case you want to help a carnal Christian, that was a joke. <laughs> Versus crucified Christians. You know what that means? You die every day. Woohoo! It's fun to die. You just get more of Jesus. Okay, and what, th wh what the contrast is. This is pride versus humility. That's all it is. Okay, Pastor Dan. That's Dan. Yeah, that's something to... That's something to respond to right now and then also take with us, right? Yeah, no condemnation, conviction. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Friends, we're, we will be having a um, ministry team at the altar right now. If you want to spend some time just doing business with God, you know, the, think of the angel that stirred the water and anytime anybody, the, the angel stirred the water, someone got in the pool they were healed sometimes the Holy Spirit stirs things up and it's good to respond in the moment if you feel like God's stirring something up that you need to do some business with him and do some talking with him and you're being convicted and you're you, you want to move from condemnation and you're, you're sensing I just feel just know that the altar is open just to have you seek God and pray yourself if you need healing for some area of your life you need a miracle you're jammed up in some way you need to break through with God all things are possible and the team that's up here will pray with you for a breakthrough for what your need is if you as Mary mentioned if you're not saved today don't don't leave this auditorium without knowing you're on your way to heaven turning from your idols to the living God turning to Jesus fully expecting anticipating his favor and his fire so um, ministry team, come on up. And if anyone that would like to, to come get prayer, you can do that now. This is a place where miracles flourish. 
Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Atmosphere of faith here for a breakthrough for you. We love you. We love you there at home, too, and watching on Channel 11 at 11 next week. <laughs> love you, too. God bless your week. God bless your days. God bless your family. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. Thanks for being with us today. God bless you.